0: Majinatramananda Shah, Jana Jana Salakaya, Chakshun Militanyena Tasmai Sri Guruvena Maha, Punchkabdu Bischa, Kripusindibevicha, Titanam Hamenebu, Esna Vijanamon Maha. Good evening, everyone. Mm-hmm. Omnamo Bagavate Vasa Devaya, Omnamo Bagavate Vasa Devaya, Omnamo Bagavate Vasa Devaya. So we'll begin this evening by chanting the four verses which represent and give us some insight into the Samadhi of Śrīla Vyasudev and Jīva Goswāmī and Nistatva Sundarbha has made it very clear that everything points to this revelation and what Dev experienced in this revelation is the foundation for the entire narration of the Srimad Bhagavatam. It contains the essence of uh, what's being presented there. And if we can come to this comprehensive appreciation of uh, his revelation and see the entire work the entire presentation of the Bhagavatam in the light of this revelation a seeing of the Bhagavatam through these verses, we were sure that there's no misconception in regards to the subject of the text these verses deal with Sambanda, Abhideya and Prayogin in a very condensed form so you could look the, at these verses as uh, as I said as the nucleus of the Bhagavatam itself. In that mind which was undisturbed because it was pure from the performance of bhakti, he saw Lord Krishna, complete with all his energies and spiritual expansions, and also saw Maya, who took shelter behind the Lord. Bewildered by that Maya, the Jiva, though separate from the three gunas, considers himself made of the three gunas and takes on material existence created by the gunas. And Vyas saw Bhakti Yoga to the Lord, which effectively destroyed Jiva's samsara. Learned Vyas then wrote the Bhagavatam for ignorant people. By hearing Bhagavatam, Bhakti for the Supreme Lord, Krishna appears. Hearing it also destroys lamentation, illusion, and fear in the human being. So as we've discussed, it's important that we see the revolution of Sridhar Vyasadeva in light of his devotional mood. His mood was one of, of service, and his service was specifically to present the Veda in a written form to mitigate the miseries of that were about to be confronted because Krishna himself had left with the most precarious position in material existence. And that's the condition that one is put in because of the influence of Kali. So because of that, uh, Vyasudev took the time to to note all the Vedas knowing that the the age was going to have such an influence that humanity at large who in the past had been able to simply hear the Veda once and assimilate its message and they, they had good brains they could remember and seeing that, that that quality would be sacrificed to a large extent that ability to remember what one hears he felt it the necessity to write the veda down and that way at least humanity could still avail itself of the messages and the spiritual knowledge contained therein and as we know he was not content and that content led him to the feet of his spiritual master inquiring what can i do to rectify my discontent I took what I thought was the proper avenue to fulfill this duty but I find at the end of doing the duty I don't feel fulfilled. There's something I don't feel completely satisfied in the way I perform my service. So he submitted to his spiritual master his dissatisfaction and Narda gave him some hint as to the the nature of his dissatisfaction and as to the proper remedy for that dissatisfaction. And the remedy was enter into some contemplation, some samadhi as to the nature of pure devotion to the Lord and everything will be revealed. So these four verses speak to what was that revelation. Sutta Goswami is telling us this is what Śrīla Vyasudev experienced and then that needs to be unpacked, the full meaning of what Vyasudev experienced and how does that he perceived after this revelation in samadhi the necessity to rewrite one specific portion of the Vedic text and that specific portion was the Bhagavat Purana, that Purana that deals exclusively with devotion to the Supreme Lord in the purest of form. A Haitikiya pratiyata, uninterrupted, unmotivated, service and love to the Supreme. This Purana needs to be represented. It needs to be unpacked. It needs to be shown in its full glory as to the fact that all the other literatures deal with the aims and the fulfillment of the goals and the desires that may develop within humanity. But this Purana, we need to present this again so that they can see this is the absolute goal, the highest attainment for humanity. What is presented in this Bhagavat Purana, which is the purest knowledge, when it comes to unadulterated service in a spiritual consciousness in a pure consciousness this will be the most beneficial especially in Kali Yuga there's really no time to go through the extensive procedures ritualistic procedures the extensive austerities as to the Methods of yoga to control the mind and senses. Mankind's going to be short-lived. This is Kali Yuga. They're not going to have the wealth to perform the sacrifices. They're not going to have the education in Sanskrit and the, and the sacrificial procedures to do them in such a way that they're going to come out successful. Even the great sages of Namasharanya, what was coming from their fire? Nothing but smoke they were covered in the smoke where they couldn't even get the sacrificial fire to, to blaze what to speak of making the offerings what to speak of a, the method of Ashtanga Yoga that requires how many years to first of all purify the existence of the body and exercise the body and completely control the the life airs within the body and and rise the energy up through the various chakras this is not an atmosphere that, that facilitates that I know we have a lot of yoga studios around but I'm sorry this is not the yoga that's spoken of in the Vedas the Veda yoga is, is very serious stuff the sacrifices, this is very serious stuff what happens if you just simply intonate the word wrong? Instead of getting a demon that can kill your enemy, Indra, what happens? The demon, In- Indra, can kill the enemy. One little, just a little intonation wrong. No time for yoga. What to speak of Gyan? Knowledge, the, ma- the path of knowledge, requires a complete purification of desire. One has to become free of the modes of ignorance and passion and be fully situated in the mode of purified goodness. To have the knowledge, to acquire the knowledge that allows one to properly perceive liberation and merging into the Brahman. In our class this evening, starting with uh, Anucheta, section 45. Love of God is the state of ultimate completion, prayoja. Let me read the Anucheta, the section. Again, we're dealing with the four verses that we... From the above discussion, it is definitely concluded that Sri Bhagavan, the original complete person, is the most deserving recipient of supreme transcendental love because he instructs all people about their ultimate welfare because he removes all sorrows because he is the supreme self of everyone like the sun in relation to its rays and because he is perfectly endowed with all wonderful qualities this being the case it naturally also follows that love for him is the final attainment, prayaoja. So in commentating on this, we'll get into a little dis- bit of discussion of the Purusharthas. We know what these are. These are the goals, the attainments of human life. So artha, dharma, kama, moksha. Now, a specific terminology is used here. And it's important that we understand this because it will give us a... A deeper understanding of what these Purusharthas are from a a theistic point of view. They're referred to as deontology, so we know what ontological is, what is the nature of our being. Deontology has a definition of the ethics of duty or obligation in in its primary sense as opposed to consequentialism. What is trying to be conveyed here in this terminology is the fact that when we look at the Purusharthas, it's more than just an ethics. And I want to read this for you. The term denotes an understanding of ethics in which an ethics of duty or obligation is primary. The agent of moral decision and moral action is motivated by a duty to do what is right. The motivation is to do the right thing as a human being, as opposed to do the right thing because what they refer to here as consequentialism. Do the right thing because if not, I'll have to deal with the wrong consequence of the action. Consequentialism. I'm more concerned with the consequence of the action than simply performing the action out of a sense of duty. To do the right thing. To be, yes, to be the right person. To be that all that I should be as, as a jivatma. Artha, karma... Dham, and Moksha. These things can be seen as deontology. And that's a deeper understanding. And that's truly the the understanding that's conveyed in the Vedas for these four attainments. To have some integrity in the socio-religious domain. That's Dharma. To have integrity to act properly and to have prosperity Artha and to properly satisfy the senses Kama and ultimately to eliminate all miseries Moksha to obtain liberation This is the core values and the execution of which is the foundation which human life is meant to be structured and that structure generally comes from the Vedic presentation. What's fundamentally different between this deontology and what Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu came to give? There is a distinction. So I was thinking a, a proper nomenclature for it just like Jiva used the terminology ra- radical non-dualism when referring to Sankaracharya's presentation of Brahman or the non-dualistic approach to spirituality. So we had many classes and we looked very deeply into this radical non-dualism. But if you look at what Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, what Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu came to give is what? It's radical deontology. Because when Sanatana Goswami went to Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, his inquiry was, what is the duty of a person after liberation? This is radical. Who presents a question like this? This hadn't been done before. Here comes Sanatana Goswami, and he's so enthused by the association, he sees Sri Chaitanya, he says, what am I supposed to do after I'm liberated? Nobody asks these kind of questions. And of course, Sri Chaitanya properly responded. Krishna Das Kaviraj has given us the dialogue and taken us step by step through all the core understandings that Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu personally gave to Sanatana Goswami ending with this fifth goal. What is it? Panchama Purushartha. There is a fifth, and that is what? Praying. That's unheard of. That's beyond liberation. So the fifth Purushartha, Panchama Purushartha, a distinct category against the four traditional human aims. When Sri Shaitanya responded, his response was centered around Srimad Bhagavatam if you want to know this goal beyond liberation this literature Srimad Bhagavatam is where we can find the knowledge of that now prior to this time Vaishnavas were content to, to worship Bhagavan and in his form Lakshmi Narayan and they were content to have as their ultimate goal moksha. Let me worship Bhagavan, the Supreme, and acquire moksha in the transcendental realm. Now comes along the question what do I do after I'm liberated? What is the goal of my life after that? Artha Dharma Kalma Moksha. I can do those things. And then after I'm liberated, what comes next? What this kind of an understanding brings us to is all of the amazing characteristics of that Prem Bhakti. All those amazing characteristics that are built upon a transcendent consciousness free of any self-motivational desire. Unheard of before. There's no desire for liberation in this concept of praying as the ultimate objective. This is revolutionary. There's no causality here. It's completely causeless. Anya bilasita <laughs> sunyan jana It brings us first to a whole different level and depth of character that's seen in the Gaudiya Vaishnavas. They have a much more holistic viewpoint of spirituality. They're more plugged into the world. Their spiritual practice is not a practice that demands a separation from their current existence. It's just a turning of consciousness to Krishna. They do not have. Once they're overtaken by this level of love for the Supreme as preliminarily experienced in bhava and fully matured in praying, what is their consciousness? (inaudible) Nadanam najanam nasundarim kavitram jagadishakama bhakti just when they become steady in their practice that's the characteristics of their steadiness when they start to taste any reciprocation and appreciation in their service. What is it? I don't desire anything of the world but I don't care if I live in the world Mama Janmani Janmani Sware. Again, it It doesn't matter. I'll take birth here as many times as necessary. I am simply your servant. At the end of Shiksastica, pick me up or make me brokenhearted. It's not gonna change my frame. The goal of my practice is to love you unconditionally. This is, as I said, revolutionary, extraordinary. Who thinks like this? Who thinks completely without any self interest? How can you get to that level of purity in your existence where there is no self interest on your part? Only by the grace of the sadhu. He can give you this kind of clarity this kind of grounding in Sambandha Jnana, this kind of aspiration for a purity which is beyond anything that was ever conceived of. This is the gift of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Namo Mahabharanaya, Krishna Prem, Krishna Prem, not liberation. Who cares for this liberation? Narayan's coming. I'm looking for Krishna. I offer my obeisances. Do you know where Krishna is? Your God. You should. You're omnipresent, omnipotent. Did you see him come this way or that? I'm really looking for this little blue boy. I have to see him. If I can't see him, I cry. If he goes behind a tree, I lose my composure. This pran-bhakti. This is the unique characteristic. Of Sri Shaitanya's Sankirtan movement. I want to be like Sri Shaitanya. I want to be like my spiritual master. I want to be like the Goswamis. I want to be completely selfless. I want to experience that level of love. What must that be like? Something in regards to that other selfish love because it requires some detachment, because it requires an introversion, a self-centeredness, it doesn't lend itself to the extension of warmth, sympathy, compassion, and serenity that we see in the society of of the Gaudius. Whenever there is that little pinch of self-motivation, it's a depersonalization of human life you understand? there's that little pinch of self-interest then I'm not all that I can be as a human I'm not that I don't have that supreme essence that I see in in the sadhus now in this Anucheta, this section um, Jiva Goswami provides four, says four things about the Pryojan, Sri Krishna. And we'll go over those in a little detail here. What's the nature of Bhagavan? He is concerned with the welfare of all sentient beings. These are some of his little things. This is why we want to be Krishna's devotee. Is basically what Jeeva is saying. This is why Krishna is our priyojan. This is why the Bhagavatam puts Krishna forth. Iti chamsa kalapumsa. Krishna stu bhagavan swayam. This is why he's he's the the best of the best of all the various manifestations of divinity. These are his specific qualifications. So, he's always concerned for the welfare of the sentient being. He extends his teachings for both relative and ultimate benefit. He extends himself through the avatars. This is how he does it. He extends himself through his devotees as his goodwill ambassadors. And he provides everything. And he does it without any discrimination on his part. So, if you're an atheist, you're also going to be fed. If you're agnostic, there will also be food on your table and sense gratification for you according to your desires. He's not going to withhold any of his bounty just because you don't buy into his good instruction he relieves the miseries of conditioned beings by liberation simply follow me and I will I will give you all the benefits Um, you don't need to fear there will be no sinful reaction on your part if you simply surrender to me so and of all the manifestations of the supreme Sri Krishna is the has the most aesthetic pleasure there's He has those qualities, even that his other forms do not manifest. It says here Krishna is the inherently self endowed with all wonderful, matchless qualities to the fullest extent. That's coming from the Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. This is the verse. Now, first wave, second chapter, fifty ninth verse. Sedantatas tobedapi, shri sa Krishna swarupayau. Krishna not Krishna Krishna, rupam esa rasasti. Though the forms of Vishnu and Krishna are non-different, according to the statements of scripture. Krishna's form is shown to be superior because of his rasas, which are endowed with the highest type of preme. The very nature of his rasas shows Krishna's form to be superior. So this is from Rupa Goswami. Uh, similarly in the Bhagavatam, another evidence. Krishna Paramapuruṣe Bhaktir. Uh, and this is in one of our verses, the sixth verse, one seven six. Krishna Paramapuruṣe Krishna is the prajāṇ, the ultimate goal of life. So we'll go on to the next anucheda. So this anucheda has been presented by Sri Jiva Goswami to to show Krishna as the Pryojan and as that personality which was perceived by Srila Vyasadeva in his samadhi the next Anocheda 46 direct apperception of Abhideya from the state of samadhi so now Srila Jiva Goswami is going to say what is it that Srila Vyasadeva perceived, what did he perceive in his samadhi as the practice the Abhideya the activity, what was that? So, Jiva Goswami writes In the state of Samadhi, Sridhavyasadeva also directly perceived the means of ultimate attainment, Abhideya. So, we know there's Sambandha, which is about the relationships of who's God, who are we, and what's the universe, and what's all the energies of the Supreme, what are his intrinsic energies, what are his extrinsic energies all this is Sambandha gyan. we can learn the foundational information, the foundational knowledge upon which we can build a practice the practice is Abhideya, purification what did Srila Vyasadeva when he was in Samadhi what did he perceive as the Abhideya Srila Vyasadeva also directly perceived the means of ultimate attainment he perceived this as depicted above in Anucheda 44. This is 44. Since the Supreme Being and the Individual Being thus have distinct identities, the Supreme Being is the foundation and support of Maya and the Individual Being as deluded by her. It is concluded that devotional worship, Bhajan, of the Supreme Being is specifically the means, Abhideya. That effectuates the stage of ultimate attainment. But there's a difference between that conscious living entity who is the supreme and the jivatma. The jivatma who is deluded by Maya, who's standing behind the supreme, although they're both conscious. a beta, they're both alike, they're also different. Beda. A chinta Beda Abeda Tatva. So therefore, although they're alike, and Jiva what? He went to great lengths to show us how that radical non-dualism does not work. It doesn't work logically. It doesn't work scripturally. They can't support themselves. There has to be a methodology whereby the Jivatma can Apply some bandhagyan, and that application is abhideya. Then, in order to propagate it, in other words, he perceived what was that abhideya tattva, that knowledge of how to purify oneself and extricate oneself from the influence of maya, and in order to propagate it, he compiled this scripture called Srimad Bhagavatam, which is meant for those on the path of ultimate truth, the Sattvatas, or in other words, the true Vaishnavs, the topmost Vaishnavs. This is what the Bhagavatam is presented for. Sri Sutta Goswami describes all this in the verse beginning with the word Anartha, 176. In this verse, the word bhakti yoga refers to sadhana bhakti, devotion in the state of regulated practice, which is characterized by hearing, chanting, and other forms of worship, and not to prem bhakti. It's not referring to prem bhakti in this sixth verse because it's speaking of sadhana not to praying bhakti, devotion in the professional stage of pure love of God. This is concluded because devotion as a practice depends on instruction, while love of God depends solely on the grace of Bhagavad. Now in the discussion of this particular anucheda, great care is taken to explain first of all the nature of bhakti what we have to come away from this with is an understanding that bhakti is the Lord's own internal potency it's part of his roop Shakti that means it is never diminished in any way nor is it influenced in any way by the modes of material nature, just like the Lord himself is not influenced by his external potency. So it's part of his internal potency. From a practitioner's point of view, it would look like that one engages in Sunda bhakti, which is a diminished bhakti. It's different, it's distinct. It doesn't have the same characteristics as bhava bhakti or prema bhakti but the lord doesn't have any differences in his swarupa shakti now this is where some of that philosophy some of that base understanding that we apparently struggled through but we made it from the beginning to the end in regards to the nature of what brahman can have some positive effect on this understanding when we look at the Lord Swarup Shakti it has specific spiritual characteristics that cannot be touched by Maya just like Brahman cannot be touched by Maya in its pure state well it's always pure so we went through all this struggling to to understand how the Jivatma and the Ishvara the whole concept of Brahman being influenced by Maya and some of Brahman being Jivas and some of Brahman it just doesn't work. Why? Because there's no foundational knowledge of what? The Shaktis the energies of of the Supreme falling into different categories. They don't get it the Mayavads, do not understand. They understand the nature of spirit, though. They receive that understanding from the same books we study, the Veda, but they don't have the deeper understanding of the nature of the Lord Swaroop Shakti. What's happening here is Jiva Goswami is trying to make it clear to us that when we look at Bhakti, Look at bhakti through the proper understanding. And that proper understanding constitutes the understanding that bhakti is of the Lord's nature. So although we perceive a difference between sadhana bhava and praying bhakti, the bhakti is 100% bhakti. It's nothing that's influenced by the material energy. It's completely independent. It's not diminished by any material impediment. In the second occurrence of bhakti, in the four verses of description of Vyasadeva's trance, the second one, we're talking of sadhana bhakti. So what is that verse? The sixth Anartho pasamam saksad bhakti-yogam jay Lokasya janatul vidvams Chakra Satvata samhitam And Vyasa saw bhakti-yoga to the Lord which directly destroys Jiva's samsara. Learn Vyasa then wrote the Bhagavatam for ignorant people. So the second occurrence in this sixth verse Refers to devotion in regulative practice, sadhana bhakti, which must be imbibed systematically. It must be taken systematically from scriptural revelation, as revealed by the transcendentalists, those that have act what actually experienced bhakti. Engagement in sadhana bhakti is primarily motivated by what scriptural regulation. That's the primary, in the beginning stages, Vaidi approach that fuels one's practice. It's not always that way. There are exceptions to that rule. There are few and far between, so generally we've got to follow Vaidi bhakti until praying overcomes us. The heart is cleansed of egoic identification and the pure self emerges, which is fit to receive self revelation of devotion. The point again is, and it's hard to understand, but the point is the bhakti at the stage of sadhana is the same bhakti. It's just a matter of ourselves relinquishing. The false ego, the false egoic samskaras, kleshagna at the very beginning, subada, at the stage of sadhana, these two things are dealt with. Kleshagna and supada, all these kleshas gradually fall away. What are they? Anartho possumum, anartha, misconceptions. It's an illusion. For giving value artha, dharma, karma, moksha, prema. This sadhana bhakti is to remove these misconceptions. To remove the misconceptions. And this simply means to give up this egoic orientation which makes us think we are this body which makes us associate with the mind and the senses. And that bhakti is that powerful in and of itself without any external influence required. Bhakti can do it all. Bhakti doesn't require any outside influence. Bhakti is Fully there by the grace of the Sadhu and Bhagavan Sadhana Bhakti enacted through the senses leads to the self-manifestation of Bhava Bhakti self-manifestation we're not doing anything Bhakti is making us we are an instrument in Bhakti's hands not that we're using bhakti like a tool. There's no causality here. Again, we come back to the basic of all Vedic literature. There's an inheritance. The, that doesn't mean that we have bhakti inherent in us until we're blessed by the sadhu. If we can start to see all of these things in that light, that's the purity That Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu came to deliver. That level of holistic living and loving, unheard of before. So, are there any questions? You said it was um, the same bhakti that influences the sadhaka and the sadhu, but you described the difference of. Maya being less present in the sadhu's perception is bhakti also in like I know it's the same bhakti but is there varying amounts? It's the nature of Krishna-swarup-shakti it's equally potent wherever it's manifest but we don't perceive it as potently because in the conditioned state and in the state of sadhana-bhakti the influence of the the false ego, we're allowing ourselves to be distracted from taking full advantage of what's there right before our eyes. So it's not that there's a difference in in the Shakti of Bhakti. Bhakti is completely potent wherever it is, in whatever form it is. There's not a difference in Bhakti. Bhakti is the nature of Krishna. Absolute in every way. What the difference is, is taking full advantage and having full comprehension of that potency, that, that bhakti, Krishna-svarupa-shakti, his internal potency. As we turn our consciousness fully to the Supreme, then this world becomes Vaikuntha. As Bhakti Vinod said, I saw my home become Vaikuntha. It's the same home. Did he move into a different house? No, it's the same home. But now he's seeing it as Vaikuntha. Wherever he's looking now, he's only seeing Krishna. He's seeing Krishna in all of his associates. He's seeing Krishna in every living entity. He's seeing Krishna personally. He's associating with Krishna personally. It's not that Krishna wasn't personally there before. He was. Now he can perceive him due to his turning of consciousness away from the misconception that that's my house and that's my wife and that's my senses and I, me and mine. As soon as the I, me and mine is we relieve ourselves of that, then then the full apprehension of bhakti is is made available. What's well, there all along? It's just we have to turn our consciousness in the right direction. So that's the stage of sadhana bhakti. Does that kind of answer your question? It did. Um, I, guess I, was, I was just thinking about the instance of like Baba Bas. Are like a strong spiritual experience in the presence of a Saudi, Um Would that be an instance of them removing the illusion for a second? To like something like that, yes. The rays emanating from the heart of Krishna's pure devotees sometimes can penetrate even our iron encrusted heart. They're that powerful. So sometimes, yes, we're given some some glimmer of what is actually this, what they're experiencing at every moment. Quick but it's example. not a boss, it's not a reflection, it's the real thing. Yeah. That would not be the right terminology. I have a quick example, maybe. Um, so like water, the nature of water is like cold and wet, but if you're wearing gloves, you're not going to experience it, the water is still there you could have a bucket of water, it's still there with its own full nature but you put your hand in it with a glove in it and you're not going to experience its, its full nature mm-hmm. its inherent qualities so, sometimes, so then that suddenness is removing, removing the gloves so that you can actually experience it fully and then with what you were just saying with the sadhu you know, he has the ability to poke a hole in your glove so you can kind of get a little experience of the actual nature without the separation of our own ego and emeritus. okay thank you so much for your association Hare